Divine Mercy Radio Catholic 540 AM is proud to present Vocation Voices. On this program, we are blessed to get to know these special men and women better, see how they found their unique mission, and how they accepted God's vocation call. Welcome your host of Vocation Voices, Dale Dawson. Hello, I'm Dale Dawson and welcome to Vocation Voices. By order of our baptism, we are called to one of three different vocations, either religious life or the priesthood, marriage, or to the single life. God has given us a special vocation, a unique mission to each person. It lies within our soul just waiting to be discovered. This discovery can occur at different stages in one's life. For some, it's easy and almost effortless. But for others, it can be a long search. We have a special guest today to discuss the Diocese of Raleigh Vocation Program, the young men discerning to the call for the vocation of priesthood, and how we can be inspired to be open to God's call to holiness in our lives. Welcome to the program, Father Mike Schutz, and thank you for taking the time with me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Dale. Well, Father Schutz. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am from Raleigh. I grew up in the Raleigh area, was born in Chicago. My family moved to Raleigh when I was about six years old. My dad got relocated with work. So I grew up in the area. Um, and as you know, as my family moved and got settled in North Carolina, we became better Catholics. Um, when we were in Chicago, I like to say we were like those nominal Catholics who knew who they were Catholic and knew what church they came from. But didn't really uh, know much about their faith. They went to Mass on Sunday and went to Catholic schools and all that, but that's kind of where we were. And moving down here really helped my family grow in our faith. Uh, a lot of people in the neighborhood around us, they were non-Catholics, and so they had lots of questions, right? They had questions about, you know, what do you guys believe uh, about angels? What do you believe about heaven? What do you believe about the Blessed Mother? And so that really helped my family grow in our faith. Um, and I think in turn that really helped me uh, as, a, as a young man grow in my faith and begin to want to learn more about what it means to be Catholic myself. And then always they helped me grow in my understanding of my vocation. Because you can't separate your vocation, I don't think, from your family, right? Your family has a huge role on your discernment and on your vocation and your openness to a vocation, whether that's to the priesthood, religious life, or married life or single life, right? And so that was a huge part for me. Since being ordained a priest, I have uh, served in a variety of different capacities. So I was ordained June 4th, 2016, and I was spent my first two years as parochial vicar at St. Paul in New Bern. I spent one year at Our Lady of Lourdes in Raleigh, and then I spent six months at Elizabeth City Holy Family in Elizabeth City, and I have been in my current parish assignment, Mother Mercy in Washington, since 2020. Um, so I've been here about four years. Um, I'm the pastor of the parish in, in Washington. I also serve in the diocese as the dean of the New Bern Deanery, and I serve in the vocations office as the promoter of vocations. And so those are my primary, voca- my primary ministries in the diocese and the way that I serve the diocese and the bishop and the people of God here in this area. You know, in my discernment of my vocation, I kind of mentioned that earlier a little bit about that. For me, the idea of considering the priesthood was something that my parents, as they grew in their faiths, always suggested, like, just be open to the possibility that God is calling you to be a priest. You never know, Right. And so when I went to high school, I went to St. Thomas More Academy in Raleigh. And I had the opportunity when I was there to see so many different people who were serious about their faith, like my age, who were serious about their faith. And that had a huge impact for me on understanding, you know, that it is something that I could do too. Like I could really take my faith seriously and live my faith. And the more that I did that, the more I began to grow in my faith and grow in my relationship with the Lord to the point where 
starting about my junior year, I was thinking, you know, getting ready for college, like, what am I supposed to do? What do I want to do? And I had my plans, like I, I wanted to go and study architecture. Um, I eventually wanted to come back to Raleigh, wanted to have a family. So I had some of my own plans. At the same time, I was trying to be open to what God was wanting me to do. And that was a struggle. I think that's a struggle for many of us, right? Even for people who are living a vocation within the vocation itself, it can be very challenging for us to to be open to what God is asking us to do within that vocation itself. But I remember in January of my junior year, I tore my ACL playing basketball. And that was a huge moment for me where I realized I wasn't in control of my life and I couldn't do what I wanted to do, you know? Um, and I think that that's something all of us have to come to terms with at some point, that we can control lots of variables, but we can't control every variable. And so that for me was a moment where I, I look back and say, okay, that was kind of like a St. Paul moment in my vocation where God took me, he put me down and he showed me that I wasn't in charge and wasn't in control of everything. And so there, there was a lot of wrestling there for me. Like, what was God doing? What did I want to do? How could I come to terms with this? What is God asking me to consider? And I remember maybe maybe two, three months after the surgery, going on a retreat. And in during the retreat, there was a Eucharistic procession. I remember praying about all of these things. Like, I had all these little thoughts going through my head, right, uh, as a 17-year-old kid. As I was praying about it, I was praying a rosary and I was expecting God to give me a very clear answer and uh, nothing happened during the procession. Um, the priest came and he stood in front of me. Uh, maybe a minute later, he walked he walked by and I was expecting to have that very clear, like, this is what you're supposed to do and that didn't happen. Sometimes patience is what we need, right? Uh, apparently that's what I needed, <laughs> right? Uh, but so definitely um, continued praying and you know, I was still a little bit annoyed or maybe angry that God hadn't answered my prayer. And I remember at the end of the night, the person who was uh, to my left, he leaned over and said, you know, Mike, I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I wouldn't be surprised that maybe he's calling you to be a priest. So I heard that and I was like, well, maybe, maybe I do have to consider this more seriously than I had. And maybe that was the sign that God had given me that I wanted, right? The planting of a seed, perhaps. Or even that, right? Like there was a whole bunch of things that could have been at play here. Um, and so the next maybe six months, I, I definitely wrestled with all that still. Um, I talked with my pastor. I talked with my parents. I talked with the guy who had shared that information with me. And he shared that he had never expected to share that he was praying for me in my discernment. But he felt inspired to do that. My parents were very open. They're like, if this is what you think you should do, then you should take it seriously. Um, so when I, when I was a senior, I decided that the best thing I could do in my life was to go to seminary and give it a try. You know, if I go to college seminary, you get college credits. And if it doesn't work, then you transfer out. You've got credits. You're not wasting time. If it does, if it does work and this is what God's calling me to do, well, then I know that I'm doing the right thing and I'm dedicating my life to this. So I graduated high school and started college seminary at St. Charles in Philadelphia, St. Charles mm -hmm. Bermeo, um, and spent four years there, got my undergraduate, my BA in philosophy in 2012. And then I was asked to study in Rome at the North American College. And so I studied there from 2012 until 2016 when I got ordained a priest. You know, even though I had that kind of like very clear moment where I, I saw the first invitation to being a, a priest, that wasn't the end of my discernment. There were definitely moments where I continued to wrestle with, you know, my personal desires and uh, what I was thinking. And then what I felt like I was asking me to really consider and offer up for him and to live. That took many years of wrestling with and coming to terms with and praying with. But I see through all that how God helped me. He helped me really understand more of what was going on in my life. He helped me understand more of how he works in my life, which is, I think is so important because now I'm, it's easier for me to recognize the ways that he does work and the ways that he's asking me to consider his, his voice in my life. And so, yeah, there were moments when I was like, I, I wanted to leave. I had my plans to leave. 
I had things lined out the way I wanted it to, but I never was at peace with that. And that was always a moment where I started realizing that when I had my plans, I wasn't comfortable with it, I wasn't at peace with it, but when I was open to what God wanted, I was at peace. And so beginning to see that difference was super important for me and helped me to be, be more open to what God was doing and how he was working in my life. And I hope something that I've been able to continue to do as I've been ordained and serving in the diocese that the more I'm open and generous with what God's asking me to do, the more that I can do for him greater things and build up his kingdom. Um, but it, you know, it takes time. It takes often lots of wrestling with because it doesn't come naturally or easily for us. Well, and that's the reason for the discernment process is to be able to have those wrestling matches and figure out what God's really calling you to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the discernment process, we have to accept that it's going to take probably a long time. And some of it is going to be like, I know some young men have said to me, like, I want to have certainty with this. And the reality is there's never quite certainty, right? We have maybe moral certainty, which is like, if you want to do like percentages, it's like, I'm 51% certain that I'm supposed to do something, <laughs> you know, if like, if you want to think that way, but, um, there's never going to be that complete certainty, right? And so you're always going to be, you know, hoping that you're making the right choice. But if you're at peace with it and you're comfortable with that decision, well, then this is probably the right thing for you to do, right? And I think that at peace feeling is probably the most important part. I would say so. And I think it's something that we all want, right? So we're all looking for peace. I mean, turn on the TV and, and what do you hear? There's constantly ads for um, self-help or therapy to help us come to terms with things that are going on in our life so we can have peace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things are very helpful and very good. And, and I think if, if you need to you do use them, you should. But the person who's going to give us ultimate peace is our Lord, right? And that relationship with him. And so if you're in prayer and you're praying about something and you're tossing up two different ideas, let's say, right? You know, you're tossing up um, what restaurant to go to and one you're super at peace with and the other one that you're not quite at peace with. <laughs> Well, maybe you should go to that one, right? And kind of like in a very kind of kidding way. But I think that's that's how we should think about it, right? And so if you're thinking about like a vocation, like in my case, I was at peace with the idea of getting ordained and being a priest. I didn't know what the future meant. I didn't know how that would look in my life. I had no idea that in the first four years of my priesthood, I would have three, three or four assignments, you know? If I had known that, would I wanted to be a priest? I mean, you never quite know what's going to happen, right? Uh, but you talk to married <laughs> couples, they themselves don't know what's going to happen in their marriage. But when you're considering a vocation, you're at peace with the idea of that vocation, right? And you're at peace with entering mm-hmm. into it. And if you're not at peace with the other vocation, well, then that's, I think, God's voice in your life saying, this isn't for you. All of this is a growing process. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So, well, well, thank you for choosing and following that path to become a priest. You're mm-hmm. blessed to have you as a priest. So um, let's talk a little bit about the vocations program. Why don't you explain the vocation program as it is today? Yeah, so the way that Bishop, Bishop Luis has asked us to have our vocations office run is he um, has us as a part of his office, as the office of the bishop in the diocese. And then he has two directors within the office of vocations, one who's in charge of seminary formation and one in charge of promoting vocations to the priesthood. So Father Jeffrey Bowker, who is the pastor of St. Catharines in Wake Forest, he is the director of seminary formation. And so he works with all the seminarians who are in the process of formation for our diocese, helps them in their personal formation and helping them be prepared to be ordained priests for our diocese. So he works closely with what's going on in their seminary formation, what goes on during the pastoral formation. Um, he helps them if there's any kind of personal issues that arise within their own personal lives, kind of working through all of those different things. Then I work as the director of, of promoting vocations within the diocese. And so my responsibility is to help promote vocations to the priesthood for our diocese. 
So that includes hosting events, um, working with the parishes, helping pastors come up with plans that they can use within their parishes to promote vocations to the priesthood, directly talking with the young men who are seriously considering a vocation to the priesthood, and then working with the men who want to apply to apply to the diocese and go through that application process. And so then Bishop Luis and I work together when a guy is going through the application to discern whether or not we want to accept that young man into the program for our diocese. So as promoter of vocations, you have the interaction on the front end of, of kids that are possibly discerning. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, are, what are you looking for when you're, when you're trying to bring these, these young men into the program? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of things that we're looking for, I think, right? We're looking for a young man who's open, uh, open to what God is doing in his life. Um, I think you, you want to see a, a young man who's serious about his relationship with the Lord, um, serious about prayer, serious about living the sacraments and about living the moral life of the church. Um, I'm also looking for a young man who seems to know what he wants, like is willing to say, this is why I'm attracted to the priesthood. Um, you know, if a young man is able to say, like one of the questions I always ask is, what attracts you to the priesthood? Like, why do you want to be a priest? Um, and if a young man can't answer that, you know, and if they say stuff like, well, I just want to be closer to God. Well, great. You can be closer to God in any vocation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there has to be something specific about the priesthood. Like, why is it that you want to be a priest? Right. Um, so being able to talk about that sort of stuff, about what attracts them to being a priest, and especially in this diocese, like, why do you want to be a priest of Raleigh? Right. You could be a priest of a religious group. You could be a priest in another diocese. What is it about our diocese that attracts you? Um, so those are a few of the things that I look for. Um, I also obviously look for a young man who is able to hold a conversation, um, somebody who's able to interact on a personal level, um, have interpersonal skills. Um, and obviously each person is going to be different, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you may have a 15-year-old who interacts differently than a 25-year-old, obviously, right? Uh, and so you take that into consideration, right? Where they're mm-hmm. at in their age, where they're at in their personal discernment. And so that's a challenge that I and the vocations team have to, have to think about, right? Is each young man who comes forward is on a different path. And so there may be some men who have come forward who have expressed interest, but they may not be quite ready to apply today, but maybe in two or three years they will be, right? Mm-hmm. And so maintaining a relationship with them is super important. And so finding ways where, where I and the rest of the vocations team can continue that relationship, I think, is, is necessary so we can actually continue to help them in their personal discernment of a vocation. Can you give us an idea of some of the events you hold for young men that are that are even have the inclination to kind of be open to it for mm-hmm. them to be able to come and see other young men? What are some of the events that you are holding? Yeah, so I think there's there's two ways we can look at this. I think the first is kind of generally speaking how I think we should go about promoting vocations and then um, the actual events that we're having. So mm-hmm. when I think about like promoting vocations, there are like three things as like a priority that I think are important. The first is that we have to pray, right? Prayer is the foundation of any kind of life in the church, and I think it's the foundation of any vocation as well. And if we truly believe that God is going to give us priests, then we have to ask him for them, right? Um, I heard not too long ago somebody talk in, in a homily about um, what's the difference between our age and the apostolic age in terms of the healing of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And he said the difference was in the apostolic age, they believed when they asked the Holy Spirit to heal somebody that he would heal that person. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes struggle to believe that. <laughs> um, and I think that we can take that same kind of mindset and turn it into vocations. Like when we pray, do we truly believe that God is calling men from our diocese to be priests? Or do we think that we should do this, but we don't actually have faith behind the prayer? Um, and so I think prayer has to be fundamental in this whole process. That is a great explanation of of 
trying to pull people in and make sure that they're prayerful and and that they're really um I don't want to say sold on God, but they they have that link that pulls them into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important, right? I think like you know, if we if we really believe that God's going to do this, then when we ask Him, we're basically just asking Him to change the hearts of individuals because we already know He's calling. Like we know that there are men in our diocese who are being called to be priests. The challenge is for them to have a heart open to hear that call, and so our prayer is really allow them to be receptive of the call of God in their lives because He's already called them. And it's just a matter of them opening their hearts to hear his call. And part of society's problem is it's too noisy. That definitely makes it more challenging, right? It definitely makes it more challenging to hear the voice of God. Um, we can get confused sometimes with what his voice is, right? Like in my life, it took me, I would probably say if I had to put a number on it, maybe six to seven years to really hear his voice versus the voice of, of my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that takes time to begin to understand what God's voice actually sounds like versus what my voice sounds like or the world's voice sounds like. Um, we also have to find ways to actually enter into prayer, um, and that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much easier to pick up our phone and look at Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, Be Real, like all these different social media platforms, right? And that makes it more challenging for us to actually hear God because we're not actually giving him time. And so if we want to hear his voice, we have to give him the time to hear his voice too. Very well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So what about events? Yeah. So for events itself, um, I think it's important to have, have events and to host different kinds of ways of um, helping young men hear the voice of God. Um, so one big event that I think is important is what we have quarterly is a discernment retreat for young adult men. Um, and I invite a priest of our diocese to come and to share his vocation story. Because I think if other men can hear the story of another priest and what it was like for him to discern his vocation, it can help him then begin to recognize how maybe God is working in his life. So during this retreat, what we normally do is um, we have mass. uh, We have a little social breakfast social. uh, Then the presentation where the guy shares his vocation story and answers questions that the guys may have. And then a holy hour to help them to begin to take what they've heard in that presentation and to pray about it and to begin to hear how God may be calling them in that moment in their life as well. Um, and so I think that's something that can be easily replicated within parishes. So obviously the vocations office hosts a number of them, but we can't be in every parish doing it in the parishes itself. And so I think it's a very easy platform that the pastors and of our diocese can take as well, where they can bring in the young men of their parish, share their vocation story, answer what questions the young guys may have, and then lead them in prayer. And I think it's, a, like I said, it's a replica, like it's a rep, it, we can repeat it in all these different places and help the men in the different parts of our diocese to discern. We're also um, going to have a couple of events this spring and this summer. Um, so we're going to have, right before the ordination to the priesthood, which is June 1st, we're going to have a holy hour with Bishop Luis on the Friday before, on the 31st at the cathedral, Holy Name of Jesus Cathedral, at 7 o'clock in the evening. And so it's an opportunity for us to pray for the young men who will be ordained priests and then to pray for an increase in vocations as well. Um, And this summer, we're going to have two different events. One is going to be for young adult men and one is going to be for high school students. So we're going to have a pilgrimage of Eastern North Carolina in in June so that young adult men can see what it's like to be a priest in our diocese. Um, Many of of the young men who are considering it um, are from all over the diocese, but a, a large majority seem to be from the more urban parts of our diocese. And that's not the whole diocese. There's a lot of parts of our diocese that are more rural. And so helping these young men see what it is like to be in this diocese, I think is important. And so we'll have, during this pilgrimage, an opportunity of going to a variety of different churches in the diocese, some urban, some rural, and have a chance to see what it's like to be in this diocese and have a chance to interact with the priests in those parishes. Um, 
And then in July, we're going to have a retreat for high school students. We'll have a Quo Vadis retreat, which will be um, a three-day retreat for the young men who are juniors and seniors in high school to come together and to begin deepening the relationship with the Lord, which is always the foundation of a vocation. Mm. And then from that, hopefully begin discerning a vocation with the diocese. Wonderful. Wow. Wow. So there's great opportunities for young men to at least see what's going on and see mm-hmm. if it's maybe their calling. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, what advice would you have for parents on how they can foster vocations in their children? So I think it's important as you're thinking about fostering vocations, um, not to force your kid. That's like the first thing, like your kid has to take the path that he's supposed to take, right? Um, And I think we see this quite often in a lot of different ways. Um, Parents forcing their kids to become doctors or lawyers. And the kid does it because they feel obligated, but they're miserable, right? And we can see that, we can recognize that in their face. Um, and so this is the same thing with this vocation, right? Like just because you may want grandchildren doesn't mean you should force your child to get married. Like maybe that's not what he's, he or she's called to do. Right. Um, but also at the same time, you can't force your kid to become a priest and you can't force your kid to become a religious brother or sister. Like it has to be their personal decision as well. So opening them up to the possibility that maybe God is calling them is important, but not forcing them to do it. Um, I also think it's important to share with them the stories of priests. So if you know priests, invite priests over to, to have meals with your family, invite them over to share their life with the family, and that can open the eyes of your kids to recognize that there's a possibility that these, that you could be happy living this life and that it could be a life that I could live. Um, I would also recommend, like if you do bedtime stories, maybe read the story of the lives of the saints. Um, pick out heroic priests, pick out heroic brothers and sisters, and share those stories with your kids. Um, you don't just have to read secular stories. Those are good sometimes, but why not read with them the life of a saint and share with them what it means to be a man of holiness, right? Or a woman of holiness. Because that's kind of what we're also inspiring within them is this desire to be a person that is holy and living the virtues. And then whatever vocation they're called to live, they're gonna live it wonderfully because they're living a life of holiness primarily. And then from that, they're gonna do great things because they're seeking to be holy. And I know uh, a lot of times young men will join the um, seminary, and when they discern out, people are sad. They're sad that they they didn't become a priest. And I try to explain to people it's not about them becoming a priest. It's about them feeling about that call. But if they've gone through this process, it'll make them great fathers mm-hmm. down the road. So, so what do you think? What do you think churches, the parishioners in a church can do to be able to help encourage vocations or to be able to to bring opportunities to the kids to maybe be open to it? Yeah, so I think the first thing that they have to do is pray. Again, go back to the foundation or they have to pray for vocations. Uh, and then I think you have to be willing to be the person who steps out there and encourages somebody because you never know, like, maybe you're the voice in the life of that individual that is encouraging them to be a priest. Um, you know, like in my story, I had that young, that man who suggested that maybe God was calling me to be a priest. Um, maybe you're the voice in the life of another person, right? And so if you see somebody, um, maybe it's your role to share with them this possibility of being a priest. Um, I would also suggest that it's important to find ways where you can help your pastor to host events that are for vocation discernment in your parishes. Um, many pastors do not have all the free time that they can, they would love to have to do the things that they would love to do within their parishes. Um, I know I've, I've spoken with my priest friends and we always talk about how like we come into a parish and we see like 10 things we want to do, but we can't really accomplish all 10 things over the time that we're there. Right. And so we have to pick the handful that we know we can accomplish or we think are the priorities to be accomplished. 
but we can do more if our parishioners assist us and they step up and take mm-hmm. ownership of things. And so if you feel God is calling you to help promote vocations in your parish, well, then speak with your pastor about the possibility of helping him with that. Very good. Um, we, we, we need vocations, and we need them dearly. And uh, so hopefully people that are listening to this program will uh, take some of that information and try to um, foster the vocations that are needed. Because mm-hmm. the next question would have been, and you kind of answered it, was about what could parish priests do in, in that process. And I know trying to set events up, but what else can they do? I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is they should talk with the kids in the parish, um, especially the ones who are servers. Like if we're talking about like priestly vocations, I always am kind of tuning into the young men in, in my parish who are altar servers who want to sit and talk with me before mass or after mass. Like the young man who has no problem sharing his life with me and you know talking about like this boarding event or this thing happening at school or just wants to chit chat about whatever's going on. There's a comfort there with that kid and me, right? Uh, and that to me speaks of something else too, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he sees a priest as somebody that is relatable and personable and somebody that he can potentially maybe see himself as as well. Uh, so I would, that would be something is working with the, the young man and woman that you see who enjoy engaging with you and talking with you um, and fostering that relationship. Um, I also think that it's important for the priest to provide resources for the kids, right? Um, I, I am a huge believer of the fact that, you know, if, we, if we're thinking in terms of the parish as, um, a business in a sense, you know, we don't want to think about it as a business, right? But, you know, if you, if you use that kind of mindset a little bit, our investors are the parishioners, right? And so if we want our parishioners to invest in us, we have to invest in them. Mm-hmm. And so for the kids as our investors, well, then we should give them resources that will help them. And so give them little images of the Holy Family, give them, you know, little rosaries or pictures, give them books, give them resources, things that they can hold on to. And that could have a huge impact on a kid that, that we don't even realize, right? Um, and it's a really simple thing, and it costs almost nothing at the end of the day, right? But I think it has a huge impact on the, on the kids as well. So out of your brother priest, how many of them would you say had been altar servers at some point in their life prior to becoming a priest? And, and do you think that's an important opportunity for um, servers to be able to kind of be exposed to closer to the Blessed Sacrament and to the priest? I would say that um, a number of them probably were altar servers. Um, out of my close priest friends, I would probably say all of them at some point served. Um, I think each of them served at different stages in their life. Uh, but I think all of them probably did serve at some point. Um, so I think it's important. I don't think it's the only way. I think that there are some young men who are called to be a priest who never served. Um, but they feel a call to the priesthood because of the service that they do, right? And so they're drawn through that part of the priesthood. Or there may be some religious who who feel called to be religious because they're inspired by the charism of that community and there's no connection with being an altar server, right? Like maybe like the Dominicans, for example, like those are men who are well-educated. And so maybe it's through study that you're called or you feel called to be a Dominican, right? So I don't think it's necessary, but I do think it is a huge part of the process. Very good. Well, we've we've talked about a lot, and I really appreciate all that you've given us. Is is, is there something that I, I didn't ask that I should have asked, or something else that you would like to expand upon within uh, vocations and our diocese? And not that I can think of right now. I, I think, like I said, I think the big thing is for us to pray, right? Pray for vocations and encourage the men to consider a vocation to the priesthood for our diocese. Um, 
I believe and I think that there are men in our diocese who are called to be the, to be priests. And, you know, I think that they are seeing the need and they want to respond. They just need the encouragement sometimes. Um, and I think we can't just expect there to be priests, right? I think maybe that was something we did in the past. We kind of expected that there would be priests in the future. We can't expect that anymore, right? We don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, and I know for myself, um, hopefully I don't need it now, but at some point when I'm dying, I would love to have a priest there, right? And I can't expect that priest to be there if I'm not encouraging, right? Um, so I think that it's important for us to find a way to do that. Um, but I don't think we should be overwhelmed by the what we perceive to be a shortage in priests as well. Like, yes, we don't have as many priests as we would like to do all the things that we would like to do. But just because we don't have all these priests doesn't mean that we're not going to have priests in the future. And I think that there's a possibility for us to be able to have them and to be able to have them help us to get to heaven and to be holy. So thank you first for your um, leadership and being the promoter of vocations and the importance that we have of having priests and what a blessing to have priests in each of our parishes. Mm, you're um, welcome. So thank you. You're welcome. Would, would you be willing to lead us in a, in a prayer? Of course. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this time to discuss the importance of priestly vocations and discernment within our diocese and in the lives of individual young men and women. We ask that those who are considering a vocation to the priesthood and to religious life will have the courage to respond generously to your invitation in their lives. We ask that you provide men and women to help support them, to help encourage them along the way. We ask that in our prayer for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life, that we will find ways to continue to foster these vocations and this call to this vocation in the parishes and in the ministries of our diocese. We ask that as we seek to do this, we can continue to build up the kingdom of God that you've entrusted to us here in this part of our diocese. And we ask that as we do this, we can bring glory to you and help the men and women that we serve both now and in the future to be drawn closer to you. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. amen. Thank you, Father Mike. Thank you for joining me today and, and giving us all of this grateful, great insight. It's been our pleasure of getting to know about the Diocese of Raleigh and the Vocations Program. I also want to thank the Vocation Voices production team. You can listen to this episode again on our website at catholic540.org forward slash local shows, as well as on our Divine Mercy Radio NC app or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I am your host, Dale Dawson. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, please remember vocations in your daily prayers.